Lord, we've come to a time in this service when we examine your word, mine from its truth, things that apply to our lives. We need you at this moment, O Holy Spirit, to hover near us. And I ask you for something of which I'm not worthy. I ask you to touch me with the anointing of the Spirit, that I might speak your word with grace and truth today to people that have ears to hear. And I ask that the Spirit would enable us today to grasp and to digest spiritual things that will make us stronger in faith and stronger in service to the Lord Jesus. In your name we pray, amen and amen. Well, I'm like everybody else. I have times when I misplace things. There are times when I forget where I put something and oftentimes I find Debbie searching through the house to find something, and I'll say, what are you doing? She said, I'm, I'm hunting something, and I said, I thought you put that up. She said, but I forgot where I put it. I put it in a place where I would remember, and I forgot where I was supposed to have remembered that. And you know all the jokes about getting old and having feeble memory and recall and all of that. I think it's just part of life because I've got kids that forget what they're doing and where they're at and what they are supposed to have, and so it's not anything to do with years, I'm sure, amen. But sometimes in this walk of faith, we reach a, a time through some uh, malady or some occasion of difficulty that our, our faith just gets put on hold for a time. And we struggle at times to go forward. Have you ever been in a place like that? I'm sure you have because the Bible talks about uh, times in very, very spiritually strong people that had times of difficulty. In fact, the Apostle Paul, you know, the word Paul is a Latin word. It's a Latin name. You know what it means? It means little. And that leads us to believe that somebody called him Shorty for a reason, you know. Evidently, he wasn't a man of very tall stature. But I want to tell you, he talks about all, all kind of difficulties that he has, physical impairments. He has an eye disease, he tells us, that his eyes are running at times and he can't see well. He has some bad shake about him that he can't write very well, so he has to solicit other people to write for him at times. And, and he has a, a lot of uh, things in his physical being. You might say he's got a frail body. But the one thing he's got is a great heart, a great heart and a frail body and a great faith. But he actually says there are times when we're pressed on every side. There are times when we're cast down. And there are times, he even said, when we despair of our own lives. In other words, he reaches places in his walk with the Lord and founding churches and writing letters to churches and imprisonments and things that he just despairs of this whole uh, challenge that is all of ours and that is to walk humbly before the Lord and to serve him. Uh, that's mostly because every time that the Apostle Paul went to do something for God, he had real strong persecution. Uh, he said, fasting's off and naked and in peril. I, he said, I've been afloat on the sea for a day and a half, abandoned. He said, 39, 39 stripes were laid upon my back three different times. And he said, I've just had all kinds of stoned and left for dead another. And you look at his life and all that he accomplished, and you realize that it was marred with a lot of persecution and imprisonment and a lot of suffering. In other words, that leads me to believe that if you're going to do great things for God, you're going to have to suffer persecution. In fact, the Bible tells us many 
are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. And Jesus said, know this, that in this world and in this life, you will have tribulation. There'll be times that we have to face opposition and actually struggle to muster faith to take that next step and get going, you know. And a lot of times, you know, I've seen people actually just get stuck. And sometimes when you get stuck and can't put that next step in its place and take that step is when you're most vulnerable to the attack of the enemy. In other words, he loves to find a discouraged saint of God. You know that little story that I tell about uh, the devil having a yard sale and how that he had his tools thrown out all over the place and someone looked at one and said, hey, this one is exceptionally priced high. Why is the price so high on this one? He said, it's because the most useful one I've got. I've used it more than any other tool that I've got. Really? He said, yes. He said, I've caused, caused great, great people to, to lose faith. I've caused uh, people that had a great confession, a great testimony. I've caused them to doubt in times. And he said, I've, I've really used that tool so much that I've got to get a good price for that one. Why was it? Discouragement. Discouragement. You see, Satan uses discouragement to try to rob us of the spiritual purpose and plan that God has for our life. And sometimes those steps that are ordered by the Lord, we just are stuck and can't take those steps and go forward with it. And we know how important faith is in our walk with the Lord. In fact, the Bible says we walk by faith, not by sight. In other words, we we trust an invisible God to do invisible things because the things that are visible and practical that I can see and touch and feel and smell and taste are, are so strongly opposed to that next step that I just can't take that next step. And we know that sometimes faith is measured in us. In fact, Jesus looked at some disciples that were rowing and doing all that they could to get across a, a lake and a storm came and uh, Jesus was asleep. Yeah. And they woke him up and he spoke to the wind and the water and said, peace, be still. And then he looked at these disciples that were actually in his presence and watched the miracles and handled the fishes and the loaves. And he asked them, why is it that you have no faith? No faith. You mean even walking close to God and watching as he opens blind eyes and unstopped deaf ears that you can reach a place where you have no faith? Well, we haven't seen those kind of things, but we've only heard that gospel and believed that gospel. And it puts us in a place to where we must have faith in God. And the disciples once were challenged by the Lord Jesus, and they asked him a question. They said, Lord, increase our faith. So then is there some measure somewhere where you have a lot of faith? and some measure that determines that you have little faith. He said one time to a group, O ye of little faith. So there's great faith and little faith and no faith. Wow. That lets us know that at times in our walk with the Lord, we need refreshing, we need encouragement, we need strengthening, but it all comes by faith that it might be by grace. By grace. 
In 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 1 through 5, and you know this is a very popular passage with me. I, I preach from it often. And I brethren, now he's not writing to church, uh, no one but church people. He's not writing to sinners. He's not writing to people that are un unconverted or that are unregenerate or unsaved. He says brethren. He's talking to a specific group of saved, spirit-filled people that are in the church at Corinth. Listen, I brethren, when I came to you, I didn't come with excellency of speech or of wisdom. Wow. I didn't come declaring unto you the testimony of God, for I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching, praise the Lord, was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and the power of God, that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. What a great verse that is, that your faith, I preach like I preach, so that your faith will not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. I don't preach with excellence of speech or wisdom derived from men's counsel. I preach from the word of God. I preach from the testimony and the witness of the word of God so that your faith will not stand upon some institution or some paradigm, that, but your faith would stand in the power of God of God. Is there anybody in here that's ever experienced the reward of trusting God's power? Praise God. Then you know that walking by faith, the greatest benefit of walking by faith is this relationship that we have with the Lord Jesus that strengthens us to know I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And that faith and that trust and that confidence gives you the urge and the ability to put one foot in front of the other and keep walking with Christ. We walk by faith, not by sight. Wow. So that if our faith is supposed to stand not in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God, that strength and that ability to go forward comes from a belief in the confidence we have in him that he's faithful to his promise that he'll do what his word says he will do, that he'll be what his word says he'll be, that he'll never leave us and never forsake us, but he will always go beside us as our comforter, as our helper, and if God be for us, then who could be against us? Well, give God some praise. The apostle made it clear that he said, I'm talking about personal faith, that the, your faith, that your faith should not stand. Not your neighbors or someone else, but it's personal. That's your faith. Everybody must take responsibility for his own faith. Your faith. Yours, Natalie, your faith. Not mine, but yours. Every one of us need to singly, singly be concerned about our faith. Yeah. 
Now, I, I know that it's, it's great to have confidence in someone and admire their faith, but there's nothing that can be accrued for you from their faith. Your faith is what really, really matters. I'm talking about your relationship and your walk with God. I know about the rooftop being opened and carrying the man to the Lord and lowering down. And when Jesus saw their faith, he was healed. I'm not talking about that kind of faith to, for somebody to be healed. I'm talking about that faith to live victoriously for the Lord Jesus yourself. To walk out the purpose and the plan of God for your life. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Romans 10, 17. So then Preaching is so important in faith. You need to listen to the word of God preached and it needs to be preached not just in excellency of wisdom and excellency of speech, but it's in demonstration of the power of God. Why? So that your faith will not stand in some cunningly devised institute or person, but in the power of God. You know what? would cause this church and any church in the world to grow would be demonstration of the power of God. I really believe that. In fact, Dwight Moody said this. He said, if you'll give me eight people who are afraid of nothing and are determined to serve the Lord with all their heart, mind, soul, and strength, and with the all the energy they can do the will of God. He said, I'll turn this world upside down for God. So then it's a matter of faith, isn't it? It's a matter of the power of God being, oh, I'd love to have lived in that first century with the church, wouldn't you? Wouldn't you love to have been a church member in the first century? Oh, yeah. When they reached all of the known world with the gospel. Wouldn't you love to have been there when Peter and John in the third chapter walked by that gate that's called Beautiful and saw that man that was sitting at the gate there couldn't lift himself, couldn't do anything. It was palsy and he was asking alms. And he asked of these two freshly filled with the Spirit men of God. He said, alms, alms. And Peter answering fastened his eyes upon him and said to him, silver and gold have I none, but such as I do have give I thee. In the name of Jesus, Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Wow, what power was in that, that word. And the Bible said, and he reached down to him and lifted him up. In other words, he didn't just jump up all of a sudden. Peter reached down and took him by the hand and lifted him up. Sometimes you can shout, shout, shout in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. But until you stretch down your hand and start lifting them out of that doubt and out of that negative pessimism and start helping them rise above their present condition, then they're, they're not going to be healed. That faith, that faith puts the power of God into action. Wouldn't you love to have been over at Sister Mary's house when they'd locked up the pastor. God forbid they'd lock up the pastor. But the pastor was in jail and they were gonna kill him after Easter and all kind of things were, were going on. But the Bible said, but prayer for him was made by the church without ceasing. While the church was at Sister Mary Mark's house praying, 
here the pastor was over in jail, and an angel came, and he was asleep. Asleep in jail? Asleep in jail. And the angel had to, he'd already taken his shoes off. And the angel had to say to him, put your shoes on. We're going somewhere. And the Bible said he put his sandals on and they started marching. And every time the angel would get near a door, a prison door, it would just open. And there was a gate that was at the entry of that prison and it took 12 men to close that gate. Wow. But as that angel was walking along, when they got to the gate, Jay, that old gate began to shake and tremble and roll back on its own. Talk about power of God. Hey, the power of God was so powerful. Hey, let me tell you another one. Peter, the Bible said, was preaching and preaching about the power of God and they took the lame people and the halt and the blind and the withered and put them out on the sidewalk and the Bible said as he passed by, see that shadow right over there? As his shadow would strike those people sitting over on the side of the road, they began jumping up and being healed. Wouldn't it be something to just stand at the end of the line and watch as he walked down that, that road? as one at a time after another started jumping up and praising God and, and dumb people started speaking and deaf people started hearing and palsied people started jumping and running. Wow, wouldn't it have been something to see the power of God like that? Well, the power of God would fill this church up in no time because people would come to see God's power do great things like that really would. So the faith that we have, as your faith is, so be it unto you. That little woman that stretched out and touched the hem of his garment when she was made whole, Jesus turned around to her and said, who touched me? Peter said, Lord, are the people brushing up against? He said, no, healing virtue just flowed out of my body. Somebody just got healed. Glory to God. And that little woman said, it was me. And Jesus said, go thy way, thy faith hath saved thee. Thy faith hath saved thee. What a powerful statement that is to every one of us who long to see God do great things in life. But we know the answer. It isn't like we don't know the answer. It doesn't like, it's not like that it's a secret that we're not going to discover it. But the faith within us and the extremities around us are in constant conflict, affecting our walk with God, our worship, as a believer, in whose mouth praise should continually flow and privately and corporately in the church. That adversarial scheming that Satan does is basically about the challenge for our faith. The challenge for integrity with God. Are you still walking with integrity with God? Are you still trusting God? Job's wife said to him those words, didn't he? Dost thou still hold thine integrity unto God. Why don't you just curse God and die? And with great faith, he said to her, thou talkest like a foolish woman. The Lord gives, the Lord takes away, and blessed be the name of the Lord. I know in whom I have believed. I know that my Redeemer lives. And those skin worms devour this body of mine, yet in my flesh, Shall I see God whom these eyes shall behold and not another? 
You see, when the enemy is raging and when the flood is, is pouring in and the fire is heated up, you can look the devil in the eye and say, I know in whom I have believed. I know who I, I have entrusted my whole being to. I know in whom my faith rests, my trust, my faith is in the Lord. His power will see me through. I will get through this. I am a victor in this. Praise God. I trust that we can get this, this power that God wants us to have that'll help us get past that being stuck, being stuck. I think sometimes a church can get stuck. I think we can get in such a rut, and you know what a rut is? It's a grave with both ends kicked out. That's what a rut is. When you always got to do it the same way. When you limit God to God's got to work this way. God's got to do this. God's got to do that. In fact, God even said to Israel one time, you have limited me. You've limited me. In other words, God would say, you put me in a box. Put me in a box and say, it has to be this way. Sometimes when you think about what God can do, you've got to think outside the box. Because I can't think. I can't ask. I can't imagine what God can do because he's able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all that we're able to think or to ask. So when it comes to God doing and God working, then there's no defining him and there's no encompassing him and there's certainly no limiting him. He is not limited by anything. He can do everything. Luke 17 and 3, 4 and 5. I found out that when people get stuck, usually they start blaming somebody. The first thing that's got to happen for you to get going is to take responsibility and stop blaming. Now, I know it'll get real quiet and tough right through here because it's easy to play that blame game. It's easy to say, I'm not the one that caused this. Yes, I'm in this mess. Yes, I'm in this struggle. Yes, I'm going through what I'm going through. Yes, there's pain. Yes, there's something, but I didn't cause it. It's not me, it's him. It's her. Come on. It's easy to start pointing fingers and placing blame. But you listen to this preacher today, you're never, ever going to get better and start again and get moving for God until you stop pointing fingers and playing the blame game. That's a weak applause, about 20%. Take heed to yourselves. If thy brother trespass against thee, rebuke him, and if he repent, forgive him. And if he trespass against thee seven times in a day, and seven times in a day turns again, saying, I repent, thou shalt forgive him. And the apostles said unto the Lord, Increase our faith. Well, what does forgiving people have to do with my faith? Well, what in the world does 
increasing my faith have to do with me still holding a grudge against people that have, oh, come on somebody, I don't preach this good hardly at all. What does having faith to get the power of God working in my life and in my church, what does that have to do with my ability to forgive people who have trespassed against me, who have hurt me? You see, Satan will so busy your mind that you'll lose focus on your faith. You'll be so obsessed with who said this and who did that and this incident here and how he feels and what he said to so-and-so and what she did to this, you'll get so wrapped up in that that faith will be put on the back burner. You see, the number one technique of Satan is to cause you to get out of focus with your faith. Where you're seeing everything else, but you're not seeing yourself and you're not seeing your faith. If he can numb your senses to the point that it's what somebody else is doing and what somebody else said and what somebody else has done or said, then he's won a major victory on you because it's your faith. It's your faith. You've got to take responsibility for your faith. Boy, that's good preaching. To get going and building a stronger faith, you have to start with yourself and examine yourself to see if there be what? Come on, you Sunday school teachers. Let a man examine himself and see if there be an evil heart of unbelief. Unbelief? You mean failure to have faith would result in my heart becoming an evil heart of unbelief? See, if you don't stand for something, you'll fall for everything. You see, if you can't work your way through these difficulties and these hardships, will your faith endure? Do you have a faith that endures? I said, do you have a faith that will endure? Wow. There's only one course of action for you to take if you're stuck. There's only one thing that will get you going. No matter what has happened to you, divorce, loss of job, death of a spouse, whatever, death of a child, some doctor that told you you got cancer, whatever happens, there's only one way to get going and keep going. How's that, Pastor? Increase my faith. Lord, increase my faith. Increase my faith. God, give me the faith to meet the challenge. If it's a big one, give me big faith. If it's an enormous trial, then give me enormous faith. If it's a, a humongous event, then God, give me humongous faith because you promised me that you'd never allow me to be tempted above that which I'm able to bear. You told me that with every temptation, you would make a way for my escape. You told me that though mothers forget their children, you would never forget me. You told me that if I would cry out to you in my time of need, you said you would hear me and you would outstretch your arm and with a strong hand, you would deliver me, you would set me free. God, give me the faith to believe that whatever I have to face, your faith that you'll give me will meet the challenge. 
increase my faith. A heart of unbelief will stop you dead in your tracks. And the only way, only way that the Lord can increase your faith while you're cooperating with him. Did you hear me? While you're cooperating with him, he's going to answer. He's going to increase your faith. But you've got to cooperate. He's not going to walk over and take a funnel and bore a hole in your head and take a funnel and pour some faith in. That's not the way it happens. You got to cooperate. You got to get in position. I said you got to get in position. You got to find yourself open to God and say, God, whatever everybody else has done to me, what everybody else has said about me, whatever has happened, God, that's outside right now. This is me. And this is me and you. And I need you to put in me what needs to be put in me. And I'm going to cooperate with you, God. I'm going to listen to you. I'm not going to block you on my face page. I'm not going to defriend you. I'm not going to unplug you. But God, I'm going to plug in. And I'm going to open up. I'm not going to close my mind. I'm going to open my mind. I'm not going to turn my ears away. I'm going to cup my ears. I want to cooperate with you, God, because I want you to pour into me the word because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. If my, if my heart is going to increase in faith, it's going to happen because the word of God grows mightily in me. Well, that's good. If faith can increase or decrease or even die, then we need to keep a constant guard on our heart. Mark 4 and 39 and 40, and he arose. Jesus is out on the, on the lake with the disciples, asleep, as I said earlier. He said, peace be still, the wind ceased, great calm. And then he said to them, why are you so fearful? Why are you so fearful? Why are you so fearful? Now, that's strange to ask a child of God, because God hath not given us a spirit of fear, but of did you say power? Did you say God has given to us a spirit of power? And he has not given to us a spirit of fear, but he has given power. Can you say with me, power, not fear? Power, not fear. <clears throat> well, I thought somebody would be in the aisle by now then where in the world, if God didn't give it to me, where did I get it? Come on, you were talking to me a minute ago. If God doesn't give a spirit of fear, then where did you pick it up? If God doesn't communicate fearful things to us, then where did you hear it? If God doesn't show us uh, entryway into fearful things, then how did you find it? A better question is, how do I get rid of it? How do I get rid of it? Perfect love casteth out fear. Woo. Perfect love, complete, pure, lacking nothing, loving God with all your heart, and loving people with all your heart 
will cause you to not have a spirit of fear. Perfect love does something. In fact, Vincent, on word studies, said, casteth out is really not a strong enough word. He said it should be a, a stronger word, like, like, like something thrust out. Thrust out. Boy, for a Christian to be worried and bothered with fear and frustration and anxiety, the Lord is saying, cast that out. Cast that away. What do I do with it? Where do I cast it? He said, cast all of your care upon me. Cast all of your fear. Cast all of your unbelief. Cast all of your doubt. Cast all of your frustration upon the Lord Jesus because he says, I've got you on my heart. I care about you. I care about you. Cast all of your care upon him because he cares about you. You need to learn to bear the responsibility without placing the blame. You've got the power to change the outcome. Are you telling me, Pastor, that I don't have to be like this? That's exactly what I'm telling you. I'm telling you, you can change. I'm telling you, you can leave this room today changed. The potential is there for you to change today. You mean I can ch change those circumstances that are going on around me? No, you can change your response to them. I can't happen what, I, I can't help what happens to me. I can help how I respond to it. I respond to it. Well, come on, Connor, and help me quit. 2 Corinthians 1 and 24 says, Not for that we have dominion over your faith, but we're helpers of your joy, for by faith you stand. How many of you know that great scripture? Having done all to stand, stand therefore. Buddy, we can all quote that one, can't we? How do I stand? For by faith we stand. By faith we stand. We endure because of our faith. Death, divorce, loss of a job. When those times come, animosity and hostility that send you into a state of despair that you think you just can't ever get out of. Sometimes what's going on around you is so intense and so negative and so pessimistic that you just lose hope that it can ever change. And you just get to a place that I'm stuck and God can't help me. And I just can't, I'm despairing. I, I've lost hope. But I'm here to tell you today that there is hope. There is hope. With all the stress and the pressure, it causes all kinds of emotion to come. Have you ever said, I don't even act like myself anymore? Has anybody said to you, you've been real weird here of late. Has anybody ever said to you, you're just not being yourself. What's wrong? Something wrong with you? You see, sometimes what's going on around you is so stressful and pressured that it changes your personality. When somebody's a motor mouth that don't ever shut up and suddenly they become silent and withdrawn, Somebody probably says, what's going on with you? Are you sick? 
you're just not yourself. I know you're always talking and loud and everything. Now you just sit around and mope. You see, those indications and those symptoms will drag you down to a state of despair. In the book of 1 Samuel, I think it's chapter 30, David, the great king, the man after God's own heart, he's been off fighting in a war with the Amalekites. And boy, things are going good. He whipped them good. And he's come back to the camp. And while he was gone, fighting the enemy, the devil came in and stole his wife and children and all the men that were fighting in the battle stole their children, stole their wives, didn't kill them, just stole them and ravaged the whole place, tore up the house, tore up the camp, ravaged the place, stole everything they could get their hands on. So David is coming back now. Read it with me. And it came to pass, verse 4, when David and his men were come to Ziklag on the third day that the Amalekites had invaded the south and Ziklag had smitten Ziklag and burned it with fire and had taken the women captives that were therein and they slew not any, either great or small, but carried them away and went on their way. So David and his men came to the city and behold, it was burned with fire and their wives and their sons and their daughters were taken captives. You know, sometimes when you're so busy doing good, you're so busy fighting the good fight of faith while you were off fighting and doing good things, the devil sneaks in and steals some things from home. And when you get back, you find out that enemy was so shrewd that while you were engaged on one front, he caught you leaving another front unguarded. You see, one of the things that we do as believers is we try to fight too many battles. Well, pastor, I'm just that kind of person. I, I just have a lot of things going. I'm just busy. You know, some of the busiest people that I know are busy doing nothing. If you got sensitive ears, you might ought to put, a, put your fingers in them right now. I'm fixing to make some people mad. Facebook, MySpace, Instagram. So busy. Busy with this, busy with that, busy with the other. And at the end of the day, you look back to find out what you've done. Hadn't done a single thing. But you tell everybody, I'm just so busy. I'm just so busy. So much pressure to do absolutely nothing. I didn't get one amen in this whole house. So all up in somebody else's business. Wanting to know all those details about what happened and 
and what did he say? And all this, Lord, if you, if you just mind your own, that wasn't in the message, it just slipped out. <laughs> David is so used to fighting Amalekites, but he now finds himself dealing with a situation that has got totally out of hand. In verse four, listen to him. Then David and the people that were with him lifted up their voice and wept until they had no more power to weep. They cried and they wailed and they moaned and they groaned until there was no more strength to cry anymore. Now I want to tell you something. When people get discouraged, they say and do things that are out of character for them. Are you hearing me? When people get desperate and frustrated, they start doing crazy things. They start thinking weird. Listen, they had no more power to weep. And David's two wives were taken captives. Ahinoam, the Jezreelitess, and Abigail, the wife of Nabal, the Carmelite. And David was greatly distressed, for the people spake of stoning him. What? What? You mean the man that's led you into battles, the man that's fought, the man after God's own heart? He was greatly distressed because the men were talking of stoning him. And each one was bitter in spirit because of his sons and his daughters. It wasn't because of David. Come on, somebody. Why were they thinking about killing David? Because of their sons and their daughters. Why? It's his fault. We've got to blame somebody. We've got to point a finger at somebody. It's David's fault. It's David's doings that has got us into this mess. Are you hearing that? And that was so strong. He said, each one. It didn't say one or two. It said everybody. Now, brother, when everybody wants to kill you, <laughs> when there's a wanted poster on everybody's Facebook page for you, they all wanted to kill him. And they were bitter and mad because they'd lost their sons and lost their daughters. You see, grieving and suffering and pain can cause you to lose focus and not think clearly. If they just thought the man that just led us in victory, the man that has been a leader has brought us to this place of victory, He's got a solution. Let's hear what his solution is. Before we start killing him, let's listen to him. Let's see what he says. But David, now if you've got shouting shoes on, here's your chance. But David encouraged himself in the Lord. His God, His God, His God, His personal God, but my God shall supply all your needs according to His riches 
in glory by Christ Jesus. My God. He encouraged himself and found strength in the Lord his God. Is your God able to give strength? Is your God able to give peace? Is your God able to give grace? Is your God able to give deliverance? Hallelujah. Is your God trustworthy? Does your God speak the truth? Does your God give you right information? Does he give you things that will strengthen you and help you so that you can be encouraged? Oh, that's what I hope happens here today is that somebody realizes that God's word can build faith in me to meet the challenge of whatever I'm going through. I hope you walk out that door saying, boy, this is going to be exciting. I can't wait. I can't wait to get back to what was bullying me around, what was causing me so much pain and anxiety, all the sleep I've lost and all the weight I've lost and all the worry and time. And thanks be to God, now I've got something. I got the word of God that'll put faith in me, that'll cause me to believe God and I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. The truth is, the Bible said, and David led them and they pursued after the Amalekites and overcame them and took all back that was stolen from them. They recovered it all. So though the devil and people around you are telling you negative, hey, one thing is you gotta get focused. You gotta quit listening to everybody else's opinion. And you need to quit telling your story. Sometimes you just need to shut up and quit telling everybody how bad it is. And just listen for that still small voice that'll give you peace and give you calm. Sometimes you just need to listen to God, turn off all the advice and turn off all the opinions and turn off all the negative criticism and the false pessimism and just tune into God and say, God, I know that your word is sure and your word is steadfast. I know that your word will build faith in my heart to face whatever I've got to face. And in Jesus' name right now, I'm turning a deaf ear to everything else. And just listen to you, God. Just listen to you, God. Just listen to you. For you see, if you keep listening to all of those rumors and all those gossip-mongering things, it'll make you a terrible, miserable wreck. But don't let the devil convince you that's the way it's going to always be. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. Restore the joy. Oh, blessed be God. I, I want to see everyone in this house restored with joy. I want everyone in this house that's gone through something difficult to have joy unspeakable that's full of glory. I want everybody in this house that's faced all kinds of difficulties and maladies. And some of you are going through things right now that I know about. Many of you are on my prayer list that I pray for daily about what you're going through right now. And I'm, I'm with you. I'm in that. But I'm going to tell you this. Faithful is he that called you who also will do it. He will do it. And let me tell you one other one. 
He who has began a good work in you will not take his hand off of you until he has completed the work which was begun in you. God is committed to you. God is committed to getting you to the finish line. God is committed to getting you to the presence of the Lord in eternity. He is committed to getting you to heaven. And if God is for you, if God's working on you, if God is your advocate, if God is your mediator, then what in this world can ever separate you from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus? What can separate me from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus? Now we first learned a while ago that love casteth out fear. What can separate me from what is going to cast out my fear? What could ever, ever deplete me or make me ineligible for what is the cure for my unbelief? What in the world is it that God's got that'll make everything all right and make me whole again? What will ever separate me from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus? Neither height, nor depth, nor things past, nor things present, nor things to come nor angels, nor any other being shall ever be able to separate me from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. That's good stuff. Stand with me.